Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fall, the editor of The Toolkit. Um, been getting a lot of feedback lately that we aren't doing TV. So um, next week, uh, Sam Ismail, uh, creator of uh, Mr. Robot's going to be on. A couple weeks after that, Reed Morano talking about uh, The Handmaid's Tale. But our first TV episode, uh, one of our favorite shows, The Black Mirror, co-executive producers Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones are here in town for Vulture Fest. And we're here to talk about season three, but before... Season four, you're almost done with, right? That's yes. correct. Yeah, we're 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 just we're shooting the final one of season four at the moment. It's happening as we speak. Yes, um, without yeah. you, without us. <laughs> sure, it'll be fine. We, we, I think when we land, we're going to go straight there, check it's not on fire, um, and <laughs> yeah, and whether it will be that it's the last one we're shooting, but whether it's the what order we'll put them out, and we don't know because we can mix that around. Is this a number si- another six or seven? Is that six. Right? Six. Yeah. Okay. Six. And is that is that because I mean one thing I want to talk about is the um, you know season three was your first season with Netflix and that was a six that was six yeah mm. and I'm wondering I mean I have a couple of th- specific things I want to ask about but just in general how did the show change um, I mean obviously it went from three to six a season which is a big change but what was what were some of those big changes into season three with being with Netflix. Um, I mean, well, in some ways, the, there was no difference. I mean, and the Netflix said to us right from the start, carry on doing what you're doing. And so we did, I mean, really, I guess the differences were psychological in that we knew, obviously, this was a, a, a bigger canvas. Um, it was going to be more global instantly. Mm-hmm. And just psychologically, when I'm writing the scripts, I used to just use ad breaks as waypoints. Mm-hmm. So I'd think, oh, I'm stuck. I'll, I only have to make it up to like end of part two or something like that. And suddenly you don't have ad breaks, so you're adrift. Because <laughs> um, hmm. people say that sometimes is that I always think that it's got to be a burden on TV writers that like, oh, I've got to write to an ad break. But sometimes it gives you a, oh, a it's, structure, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's really useful. I mean, it's really useful. But I mean, I mean, I, I mean, that aside, we've been. I guess it's, just, it's, it's become slightly more ambitious, mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. And there, um, there wasn't any, you know, Netflix didn't say this now needs to be an international show right. and it needs to appeal to the world. So um, so thankfully that wasn't a thing and we wouldn't have done it if, it, if we'd have had to do that. So, um, but it has enabled us to maybe take on or to set stories in different worlds like America that we wouldn't have done if we probably were still only mm. on a UK broadcaster. <laughs> yeah. And you're not thinking also, I mean, these things I think average still to somewhere in that same region of, in terms of length, but I have to imagine there's also that freedom of you're not worrying about, just, I mean, you're not writing ad breaks, but you're also just not worried about, if something needs to go 80 minutes, 85 minutes, Mm -hmm. you will, but meanwhile you're not having to stretch something out if you don't want to. No, that's true. And I think it's fair to say that, I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a good restriction to have mm. like a broadcast, you know, like 43 minutes or something. It's a good, it focuses the mind. And so um, so I think it's fair to say that for the next season, we're playing about with the durations even more. So we've got sort of shorter episodes than we've ever done and longer ones. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really is, it depends on, I mean, that's the great thing is that the story does dictate what's, you know, it will it will shrink to fit or expand to fit accordingly. You're not, you know, either having to pad things nor, nor slice out, you know, simplify things too yeah. much. But it is a very good discipline to have, to have that restricted running yeah. time. So I think we, I think Netflix are very good in sort of 
challenging us and sort of making sure every story feels as tight as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, you can suddenly just not. There's, there's a term just, for it, streaming bloat. You can get streaming bloat. Sounds painful. When, when, when free, I know. Sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, free of free of the restrictions, you can just you know, like a like a uh, an inflatable dinghy going off in the back of a car. I don't know where where I get that got no. that metaphor from. No, mm. but I mean, I, I I found, and I've never found it with your show, but I have found that when um, when some shows um, do go wonk or they do have that, and it's just you're like, oh, this. This doesn't, you know, the mode of writing and the mode of storytelling isn't that feature length, and you can feel that sometimes. It's not, mm-hmm. not good, but it, and and I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most fascinated by with with your guys' show is that that mode of storytelling, a standalone, and you're not the first people to do a standalone hour long show, but um, it's not a procedural. It is. It's each one is its own unique world so you are in a sense creating you know a 60 minute movie and there's something very satisfying about telling a story like that in that length and i i, I sometimes I, I just watched um uh san Junipero again last night and there was something about like i could easily see how someone would want to stretch that into a feature-length film, and, and maybe someone could do a beautiful job with it, but there's something so satisfying about that story in, in that structure. Mm-hmm. And just as someone that has written so much in that length, what do you think that is, that in terms of that story and in terms of that building world that is so satisfactory about that length, that they maybe, in, in, specifically in comparison to a 90-minute, two-hour feature? Mm. I think often, I mean, this is partly, I get bored easily. I've got a short attention span. Often when I watch movies, I love movies, but sometimes I'm watching a movie and I think, oh, this is the bit where it's just on hold for, it's just, Some of these are like, like, like these action ones are like two and a half hours now. Yeah, like, or it's oh got, well, but I, this is always what I think of as the washing machine moment at the end of uh, big sort of action blockbusters where it's like CGI cars and trucks and giant robots all flying around in a washing machine. But it's like it's gone into that mode. You might as well bring out a Kindle and start reading something in the theatre. Because it's just, oh, it's, gonna, it's on this in washing machine mode for 15 minutes now while everything smashes up and then there'll be the victory scene at the end. But um, I think that it's, it's, it's when, we, when we first sort of conceived of the show, it was something that um, I felt was missing from television. Was the, the, the trend was was starting to be more for you know longer five season story arcs and so on and so forth. And I love those shows, but I was I was feeling like what was something that it felt to me was absent from screens was the shorter form Twilight Zone, Tales of the Unexpected, and the BBC used to do one off little weird and wonderful plays in which an idea could be explored and it, you didn't have to wor- you didn't have to worry about stretching it for a whole season mm. or you didn't have to worry about the logic of stretching it to 2 hours you could tell your story and get the hell out of there yeah. basically and it does it means that we don't have to i'm always quite it's very pleasing when we're pra- praised for world building because we don't have much time in in which to to build a world because often really what we're doing is just trying to distract you from all the logical inconsistencies <laughs> of our story and so we often give you minimal information um, but I, yeah. think that, I think that's a big part of it right is, is that mm-hmm. that second act and needing to get two stories you just don't get caught up yeah I don't really yeah. understand that structure that's the other thing I mean I've well I've, I've sort of gone to I remember going to see like a Robert McKee sort of lecture and stuff like that and, and I've read screenwriting books and stuff like and 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 I kind of feel like those are all books and it's all the structure that tells you how uh, tells you how to write a catchy tune do you know what I mean it's like it sort of makes sense on on paper but then I can't 
keep that stuff in my head. So I, I scarcely even understand the act structure when I'm writing. I just know when it's a satisfying, you know instinctively when it's satisfying and when it's not. And I think that... Are you saying you're a natural? I'm saying, no, I'm saying I'm, an, I'm saying I'm a total amateur. <laughs> I'm saying the opposite, because like, I think like, any writer feels like a chancer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so um, no, it just means I feel guilty, <laughs> crushingly there is, guilty. There is something about that sort of 60-minute TV episode form that allows you to blow up the idea, to take a very preposterous idea and not even have to worry about, you know, extending it to six to 90 minutes. You can just mm. let it be an ideas-driven story mm. um, and then you don't get you, you don't paint yourself into any corners. No, you don't have to worry. It would collapse under its own logic eventually. Yeah. And so you, yeah. you don't have to worry about that, about that side of, of things. And, and it's, it's interesting as well because the other thing is that I find it hard psychologically to write um, scripts if I think there's a good chance they won't actually be made. I mean, like, and I, you know, I've done my fair share of, I've, I wrote a sitcom once that never, got, that never happened. I've written all sorts of things that, that never got made, but it feels to me like the difference between, because quite often people say to us, would you like to do a Black Mirror movie? And we sort of look at each other and go, well, that's sort of feel like that's what we're doing mm -hmm. at the moment because, because we have, um, you know, because we can do 90 minute episodes if we want to, we can do, we can do hour long episodes. It feels like we have the flexibility and the, um, we have the opposite problem, if anything, we don't have a sort of a, a drawer full of unused ideas. We're having to sort of think up things and come up with them very quickly and, and reinvent worlds from scratch every time. Hmm. I, I was, and maybe this was just some, you do a lot of interviews, so maybe this was just a, a kind of flipping comment or I couldn't tell if it was something that you were serious about. But when you were talking about, I mean, obviously Waldo is the one that people want to talk about with, mm -hmm. with Trump. Um, and you had mentioned that you there was a little bit of a regret that you hadn't that there was maybe a bigger story there that you could have done a mini series in which I, I guess I, the way Black Mirror is working is working fantastic. But mm -hmm. I'm you know I, I, another question I'm going to ask you is are you know this revisiting of stories because I've heard that you might be leaving the door open that but even beyond the revisiting of stories it's this idea is there is there ones where you're like. I would kind of maybe do like a, forget about a movie, but like a, a mini series, like that way, what you had said about Waldo. Sometimes, I mean, it's interesting because that episode, the Waldo moment, which is the one where a, a, a sort of cartoon cartoon bear gets nearly elected to office in that. Um, which you made in 2013. Which was 20, yeah, 2013, and it was, uh, turned out to be prescient, <laughs> more prescient than we than we possibly anticipated. Yeah, you could have written, um, you could've, you could've written a, lo uh, a more urgent memo. That, well, it's yeah. weird in that at the time I thought that we hadn't, I thought I haven't really nailed the stakes in this story. It's a slightly out, it's a quite an outlier in terms of episodes because because it's kind it's 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 about something fairly abstract in terms of character. It's not really about the characters, that story so much. So much. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking at the time, maybe the problem was that I was trying to shove what was quite a nuanced and a, 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 a slightly more abstract story into, into a short space of time. I don't know, I was feeling my way through it and I did think afterwards maybe that would have worked better as a mm -hmm. miniseries. There's certainly some, there have been um, story ideas we've discussed where we've, we've left elements out because they'd be too big a note to hit in that short space of time. San Junipero is a good example. So there was a, I started writing a scene in San Junipero where um, Gugu's character, Kelly, uh, where we'd see that she's in a, she's at a kindergarten. We'd meet her at a kindergarten in San Junipero. 
and uh, when you, if you've seen the full episode, you know what's going on there. That was that was basically it was going to it was the uh, deceased children, and that's that's the which was extremely poignant and very sad thing to have in there. It made sense from a character point of view later. You'd realise why she'd want maybe want to spend time there. But it was such a big note to hit mm. within that story. I sort of stripped it out. Also, the story was bittersweet and sad enough as it was. Yeah, um, and, and, it, and it took us out of the party town. It took John us out of the party town. It was feel like a different of optimistic youth. Yeah. yeah, don't cut from the eighties party to the to no. the kindergarten. To the, to the, yeah. Although, would at the time it would have, but in the in the where it would have come in the story, it would have still felt like a nice positive place. But um, uh, it, but but so that's the an example of something where you go well, okay, you could take this setting and tell a wider story with this setting. I think to some degrees we've. Because there are elements of technology that have re-emerged in other stories that we've done, basically. Mm. So we've done, we've we've had, we've had stories where a similar tech is reused in another in another mm. episode. Mm. So you um, haven't written anything that is, and maybe this is an unfair question. We can just cut it out. But I mean, you haven't written anything that's going to be a revisiting of a world or of a character. Um, yeah, there are things that we I've done we've done things that refer to Got other it. stories and stuff like that, but yeah. we haven't done. I mean, I've I've got ideas for things we could do explicitly, which are sequels, mm -hmm. but they're very rough and embryonic ideas. And I wonder whether the way to do that you'd have to it would have to be it would have to be absolutely right. I don't think we'd do a sequel to San Junipero with the same characters, for instance, because that felt like but that device that that that, that mm. element could could return to that world quite. Quite easily, you could come up with another story in that world, but we're sort of exploring slightly different things at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, there are other story ideas. I've got. I had an idea for a sequel to White Bear, which sort of played on the, which is the one where it's, it's a woman. Everyone's filming her, and there's a big twist. Oh, right, at right, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I'm, bad I always, the, I'm bad with the titles. No, no, no. <laughs> don't worry. Everyone's bad with the titles. Everyone. It's San Junipero because it's like, yeah. oh, it's that beach yes. and that. It's, we don't expect anyone to remember. It's the like title. Friends, basically. It's like the one where. Yeah. That's how. Most people refer to them. Yeah. Um, okay. You know. They, so you did have a sequel idea for, or is it? Was or it naturally lends itself to a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Day two in the. In the. In spoiler the, alert. In the Justice Park. Yes. <gasps> oh, I said. Well, that's not too big a okay. spoiler alert if people weren't paying attention. <laughs> there is. I mean, what, in terms of the production, in terms of what you were able to do with Netflix, we're talking about a sizable difference. I mean, I don't. It's, I know you're not going to give me production, but we're talking about. A different canvas, a different size scale in terms of production that you're yeah, able to do. Absolutely. Okay. And so, what I mean, I have a sense of this, but I mean, in terms of, I don't know if this is something that opens your door in terms of writing or if it opens the ability to execute one of these ideas in terms of the world building, but where does that come in? Does that come into when you were approaching season three? Did that come into play? And, and literally just the execution of the idea, but also, or also the conception of the idea. I think the conception, you know, you know from the beginning you've got a bigger canvas, you've got a bigger budget, um, so you then can explore, the, you can explore every avenue for a story. So Nosedive, the, one of the, the episodes we did in season three with mm -hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard about status anxiety, you start to build that world and you sort of think, okay, if you are in the most aspirational world where everything is idyllic and, you know, perfect, where would that be? That's probably not going to be in a rainy grey London. Right. That's probably going to be a 
you know, a, a, a pastel-fueled, you know, Americana world. And so that informed the character, obviously, that informed the, her journey. So it's all, it's all evolves at the concept stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly, the first, San Junipero was the first um, script I wrote for season three. And it was partly, it was partly I thought I'm going to blow up my idea of what a Black Mirror episode is, so it's got a very different tone. And partly I'd read people moaning and saying, oh, I see Black Mirror's gone to Netflix, it's going to get all American, it'll be all Americanized. So I wrote, okay, sod you. <laughs> Opening scene, it's California, 1987. <laughs> That'll confuse you. Um, so there was, I mean, so in that respect, definitely there was an element of, of, of wanting to confound the viewer. Yeah. Yeah, as an anthology, you want to sort of be able to surprise people. You want to sort of people not to know what they're going into with every mm. single episode. Mm. So it allows you to be very playful, mm. I think. And was there a conscious effort also in terms of, um, and maybe it's just because there's six of them, uh, which you guys have never done before, but was there also a conscious effort of, of spreading the palette out of, mm. of not just color and world, but I mean, <clears throat> and once again, I can't tell if this is the difference of watching three versus watching six yeah. um sometimes when i would watch you know the first time i watched three these felt obviously individual stories but they felt together and these feel like the same voice mm-hmm. but but like the every it's just a yeah. lot a lot more variety and i'm wondering if that was if that's just a function of making six or is that also a conscious it's decision deliberate. it's a con- conscious decision we we often would think about it in terms of genre so we'd so we we'd sort of think which is a useful way to just keep things fresh, is to think, what haven't we done? Like, there was one where I thought, I really want to do a haunted house. Right, I want to do a haunted house movie. And so we did one with the video game with Wyatt Russell and Dan Trachtenberger. And so that's how, so part of the thinking was, what's the Black Mirror version of a haunted house movie? What is that? Um, and um, we did a police procedural mm. and, um, you know, so sometimes it's that. Yeah. And when you're doing a longer run from three to six, you can afford to have a, a, a very distinctive episode without it destabilizing what the series represents. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Yeah. Yes. When you do three, actually, when we were doing oh. three, they all had to be a bit, a bit more close, more yeah. closely aligned. Because three really is a story. No matter what, people mm. are going to make a story out of it. They're going to make a trilogy yeah. of beginning, middle, end, yeah. right? Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And so, and doing six, it is like, and especially because we weren't sure, we, we, we looked at it like we were curating a little film festival, basically. We didn't know what order we were going to put them out in. And so we, it was very deliberate that we had a wider, that was our one concern actually was, is this going to feel just random? Mm. And I think, uh, I don't think it does because it's got they have shared DNA. Yeah, mm. I think when, I don't. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to. They definitely feel yeah. Of, yeah. of a whole. I, it was more just this yeah. idea, but if there's part of it's just color. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Mm. But I think there's something lovely at the end of Nosedive, the Bryce Dallas Howard mm. one. You know, you set up the sort of idyllic world, but very quickly with the score and with the story, you realise it's very eerie and unsettling. Mm. And a lot of people were very upset at the end of that episode. I think it sort of Good. mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> so we can still do it with a a, a, a yeah. I, I will say this, and I, I, I hope this isn't, I, 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 I think it should be obvious I'm a big fan of the show, so. Um, but when I did see Nosedive, and I did watch them out of order, because mm-hmm. I watched them late, and I just kind of did. So Nosedive, I didn't, did you? I so did what, not. How did, what did, in, 
everybody was talking. Uh, every well, the problem is I'm behind on everything because mm -hmm. I mostly do movies, okay. and so then when everybody starts talking about San Junipero, and I'm like, I love that show, and I, so I started there, okay. and then um, uh, someone upstairs was talking about um, the uh, play play test test, test, test yeah. and I was so it was like a kind of. I didn't have time to sit down. So you were down. catching so up with catching, the, yeah. the general. Whatever order you watch but, them in is the right order. But the yeah. reason I bring that up is the first one I did not see was was Nosedive, mm -hmm. which is which is in you know our Netflix queue is the is yeah. the number one, and that one did. And I did not know that you didn't write it. I didn't. Gita, I, I didn't yes. know that. Well, I, I, okay. Well, we did. We write. did. We did. <laughs> we did like, there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's uh, yeah. It was uh, we were very involved. In, <laughs> yeah. But it it did mm. feel different to me mm -hmm. it did feel and, not, and there's something different about each one but this one there was something about the tone and the voice of that one mm -hmm. um i think the easiest way i could say it is is that um there is always something for as bizarre as these worlds get there's always something very direct in, uh, mm -hmm. and very relating in, on a human level with these characters mm -hmm. and that one has a little bit and this is not a knock but it has a little bit of that kind of that satire, that little bit, you know, everybody's yeah. kind of, and maybe I'm making too much of this, the fact that it did start with Michael Schur and um, mm -hmm. Rashida Jones. Is this something where you are, I mean, I know so many people want to get involved in this show, but are you open to taking in scripts and things like this? Are people pitching you ideas? Is this something where that Black Mirror um, palette is something you're, you're going to open to it, taking other stories. It's an in. interesting one in that we, do, I mean, historically, I've kind of, I, 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 like, I tend to originate basically all the ideas and, and then and work on all the scripts because I think it's partly because, because it's, a, it's a slightly wider remit than, um, say, a Twilight Zone where you could, you know, which is, which, where, I, I don't, it feels like it would quite quickly get completely random. Basically, so I sort of feel like I have to put my stamp on on everything on some level. We're, we're certainly open to people. Um, when we, we have spoke, we've got a, a, there's an idea that's coming up in the in the season coming that somebody somebody sort of pitched an idea to us and and we went yes. Mm. It very very rarely happens that we clap our hands and go yes, and it tends to be. I think it's because the show has a reputation for being very dark and very about issues and this, that and the other. And people tend to come at it from that perspective. Mm. And I tend to think of it as more of a popcorn. Mm -hmm. the, certainly the, the, the way we originate the ideas is, is we originate the ideas in a fairly popcorn amused sort of hooky kind of a way. And so, so, so it's, it's happened infrequently that people have... have mm have come and said ideas to us that we've then used. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we're looking at the series as a whole, so we have to make sure there's not any crossover thematically or yeah. story-wise. That's the so, other thing, yeah. Which is why we tend to, when we have used other writers, we will have signed off a, a very detailed story outline yeah. before the writers come involved. Yeah. Yes, usually. We, well, well, that's the other thing, is if people... Because obviously then, you know, I'll be... Go to something, something. Somebody starts saying to me, "Hey, I've got an idea for a Black Mirror episode." I'm like, "Please don't start telling me it because." And then they'll start going, "So what about right? So bees are dying out. What if?" And I'm like, "Stop! No, no, we're doing one about. We're doing something. We'll stop it." So half the time, I find, I find myself going, no, 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 shh, shh, shh. Yeah. "I thought that was all original." Um, the um, the um, oh, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, you know. That is the first word that ends up getting used, is that this is bleak, or this is pessimistic. And it, 
And I, I think one thing that I, I feel like gets missed, and I, even we keep talking about this engine Jenna Para, because people think, oh, this one stands out to me. Mm-hmm. The thing to me is all of these seem to be written. I mean, clearly there is a fear of um, technology um, and how it could be used, but it doesn't feel to me like this show is from a voice that doesn't see the possibility of technology being something positive or being used. And I even think of, um, is it play, play test? Play uh-huh. test. You know, I mean, obviously it doesn't go well, but I mean, <laughs> but the uh, prospect of, you know, that being a therapeutic thing of him facing his mm-hmm. fears of, and, and of course, what gets up gets in the way is is the the guy who's trying to make a video game out mm-hmm. of it, make millions out of it, is mm-hmm. is you know. But there is that element where I feel like, and maybe that's just something that started to seek out a little bit in this third season. But I don't feel like you're someone that is like, you know, working on an air gapped computer and and on NSA <laughs> blogs and, no, and fearing I mean, the fearing the world. Absolutely no. <laughs> I mean, I I used to be a video games journalist, and I'm very. You couldn't do this job if you if we were anti-technology. It always, I mean, it always slightly exasperates me when people do say, "Oh, that's, that's the show that's afraid of phones, doesn't it?" <laughs> that's the show for people who think the App Store is the worst thing that ever happened. And it's like, no, of course, no one, no one thinks that people who work on a, on. Uh, no, no one says to like the people who work on The Walking Dead. What what is it you have against dead people? <laughs> What's your issue with corpses? What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. um, so I, mean, I, I think it's it's a MacGu- the, the technology is a MacGuffin that allows stories to happen in our world, and, and the tech is kind of background in it. It's always about it's always a what if idea, and it's usually somebody in our stories. It's usually somebody struggling with. Um, immense power, effectively, that technology is giving them, or they're on the receiving end of, of that. And it's, but it's not the, the technology itself. We tend to sort of actually tr- to try and keep it grounded, kind of background it slightly. Yeah, there has to be. There's always that test of would I accept this technology into my life, mm-hmm. and so it has to be seductive and useful and you know alluring and effective. Or That's you know, so true because so much of that sci-fi is like, how the hell did we get here? And mm-hmm. if, yeah, and if you don't believe in that world, if yeah. you wouldn't have embraced that world, then the story is meaningless, and I don't mm-hmm. believe in the character, and I'm I'm, I'm disengaged already. Mm-hmm. So it has to be identifiable. And a lot of it is product design. I mean, yeah. genuinely, a lot of the job is product design. Is looking at things. We've got a great, brilliant design team who work across all the episodes. Mm-hmm. And often, when we're looking at either the late, it could be the the OS that you're going to see on screen, or it could be the way that the gizmo works in their hand. And we sit there, I guess, like like we're Apple execs or something, <laughs> going, "But why would you need that?" Like, it's always, it's always about simplifying everything and paring it down and paring it down. I love that about Nosedive, that, that, that kind of clear iPhone-looking device, uh, just <laughs> the way it interacts feels like... But we had a hot, and there's a whole conversation went on there about, well, surely, but would you want someone to see how it looked if you had a transparent phone? Would you want people to see what's on the other side? So if you notice, it's actually, it's translucent rather than transparent. So, it's, so it masks what you see on one side, because we had long conversations about that and the system, the way it works, all of that. I have to, uh, how does the production work in the sense of, I mean, I know you bring in directors for each one, but the thing is, is that it's, there's, you gotta cast each one. It's, it's, you're, I I hate making the TV movie thing, but in this sense, you really are having to like 
put together the band six times, right? Yes. And is that also match the production? Or is it more of a TV thing where it's like you're checkerboarding and it's like Joe Wright's working on this one and we're prepping this one and we're shooting this one? Is it? They're all, so we structure them uh, as their own individual films and they all are produced independently. Mm-hmm. And so the only continuity over all of the six are me and Charlie and our series production designer, mm-hmm. who again is making sure that they all look very different and mm-hmm. distinctive. Um, but no, they are, you know, I, I don't hope, hope it doesn't sound too wanky, but we, they are their individual films and mm-hmm. they are structured like that. And then it allows them to have their own unique vision and feel. But it does mean it is incredibly, you know, it's hard work, it's mm-hmm. onerous. And so that's why we only do six in a season. And, do, and how does it work? Are you almost casting a director in that sense? Are you, I mean, you have some yeah. great directors, but is it really one of those... Um, oh, she would be perfect for this one, he would be perfect for this one. Like, I would love to see you know, you know, yeah. Dan's version of this world. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I sort of, you know, they're all so different. And so we can, you know, um, there's a wide range of directors that, that, um, that we use. But you always meet with the director that you think might enjoy it. And then you'll talk through the script. And if they're responding to the same things that we are, and if they're getting the pitch, because sometimes, you know, there's a lot, of, mm-hmm. there could be a lot of, not misinterpretation, but just interpretation of a script. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you could play something very comedically, or you could play it very sarcastically, or, mm-hmm. you know, very black comedy. So it's finding someone who really understands the material and Charlie's intent for that script. It's, I mean, it's, it's good examples are like Dan Trachtenberg, obviously, was, was perfect for Playtest because. He, he, the video games one because he's it's a bit if anything a bigger video games nerd than I am which I didn't think was possible um, <laughs> and um, and then and and um, Owen Harris who directed Sam Junipero who had previously directed another episode for us um, called Be Right Back which had Hayley Atwell and Donald Gleason and it mm. was a sim I mean it was a, it was a different story but it was a, again a story about sort of mortality and and desire and grief mm. and, and 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 it was a, a, a very emotional story and he'd done such a good job with that mm. that he was a perfect fit for San Junipero so we do definitely yeah um, yeah that's that's kind of how we approach it and sometimes directors come in and they they will say something that had not occurred to us mm-hmm. and the, and the beauty of doing six individual stories is that they they we've got the freedom with there are no rules there's no show bible in that respect mm-hmm. so they can you know they can shoot it all in a swamp if, <laughs> if they decide you know if there's no reason it doesn't mean that it's hard to say no to that you can't sort of do you know what I mean it's you have to engage with with um with all sorts of suggestions that are coming at you that mm-hmm. you haven't necessarily thought about but that that in itself I think just strengthens the episodes mm. because I mean I, I understand what you're saying it makes sense you got a production designer and then you want you're very involved in the story and whatnot so I mean you definitely need to make sure that this is fitting into the universe but how much is it and maybe we could just pick one of those two examples of Dan or Owen um, is it this element of like once everybody's on the same page and you're checking in on it are they playing a more movie traditional directing role versus a TV directing role where it's like they are, um, because you are starting from scratch in terms of world, um, you know, coming up with certain looks. I mean, obviously you've got your person in there in terms of the production designer um, and in terms of film language, in terms of prep even. Are they coming in and 
you know, obviously with with your guidance, or or is it a little bit more traditional in that sense of like the director is that person that's coming in and in executing this particular episode? I think it's a hybrid probably because you know we we still have a sort of more of a TV schedule and the demands of that mm -hmm. than than a film. So you know we have eight weeks prep mm -hmm. and to be able to get to have to be able to achieve the ambition of some of the films there's got to you know we'll have done a lot of work beforehand so a director will come in and look at all the development and the previous we've done and run with what they enjoy or what that they've responded to and then we'll all build it together so there is a lot of freedom but at the same time you know there's a reality check of the, the amount of prep that we have um, and what else was I going to say? Uh, but in but unlike TV, um, we give the director the opportunity to be to have a director's cut. Mm -hmm. So you know we have extensive post production periods so that the director can really work on finding the film, and then we'll all get together and look at it, and then you know cut it or recut it together and tweak where necessary. And in terms of your guys' schedule, is this one of these things where you know before you go into production, you're in one way or another you know, prepping all six? Or, or is this one of these things where you're also like, okay, we're done with one and two is already going and we're, in terms of your involvement, is like you have, for example, you have your last one shooting right now. Yeah. Is this something where a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago, you were still prepping this one? Or? Well, we, yeah, we prep right up until the first day of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> principal photography. Um, but no, it's a bit, you know, and, and in that sense, maybe it's more of the TV model in that we are showrunners who are on set every day. Mm -hmm. And um, because, you know, because nearly always the director has absolutely got the script. Um, but on the, you know, rare occasion where the intent of a certain a line is misunderstood or, or there's a logic flaw or mm -hmm. if the actor's mm -hmm. improvising and then it actually exposes something. So we're there every day just to, to manage that. Quite often it's a logic thing. It's to do with the yeah. logic of the world because there's usually some sort of logical rule that's applying to the world in each episode and, mm -hmm. and it can be easy to and also because we've we've now having done so many of them in in some respects we're we're aware of some potential pitfalls to do with things like usually a technical thing like a point of view shot there's quite often quite often we're having to worry about hang on there's a point of view shot that we're going to jump into and we need to make sure that this is that yeah. the logic of all of this is watertight mm -hmm. yeah the number of conversations we get into about logic sometimes mm -hmm. remember having a long conversation about whether it would rain in San Junipero <laughs> <laughs> and I was adamant that it shouldn't and then I I I was I lost that argument correctly <laughs> lost that argument yeah and I don't know if you're able to I, 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 I do you I know Jodie Foster is directing one. Mm -hmm. who, who are some of the people coming for season four? For I'm not sure we're allowed to say. I think some have been announced, but I'm not sure. I know Jodie, obviously. Yeah. Isn't? And that was that, I mean, which, that's that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a thing where your head does a weird thing. We would be sitting in the edit suite and my brain's going, it's Jodie Foster. <laughs> I heard she was doing a mother-child one, which is like something that's so, like, kind of, in her wheelhouse. Yeah, she's doing she's a. Doing, it's got, it's got she's a doing a thing. It's got a, she's doing a thing. It's got <laughs> a kind of indie movie sensibility. Yeah. I can say that. Yeah. In terms of future yeah. technology, is there like a little Netflix chip that kind of sends a little shockwave? In terms of, what sorry, if we start saying too much information? Kind of a little twinge. It's such a hard show to promote in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, we always have a problem when we, when it comes to promoting 
the show in terms of trying to because because we're trying to drum up interest in the show yeah. obviously in all the episodes and you want people to tune in and watch them but you also don't want to tell them anything well, there's something so fresh about the world mm -hmm. and just becoming and where the you know like I, I play test as well I was like where you know I didn't know this was going to go into some Great. you know thing and I don't mm -hmm. know that you know this one's going to be about I guess there was that picture though with him with the mm -hmm. thing but I mean yes. there's an element you don't you, won't, you don't want to know where you that's going you don't want to know well that's we always say that it's it's like a box of chocolates but it's always you, so you don't know what the, 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 the filling is but you know it's dark chocolate Generally. And do we know when I, I? I really don't. I'm really not that person who's prying for all these details for the first time. But uh, do we know when it's going up? Hopefully, I think probably within the year. It's a 2017 thing. I think so. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're, Sorry. So, so we're, we're slightly aware of what we can say, what we can't say. No, I think we can say that. That feels like a thing we can say. Uh, we'll find out if it's not a thing we can say, then we'll wind up And I mean, I know you, you probably are going to go on a vacation yourself before thinking about this, but are you, I assume, I mean, I can't I understand why not, more, more after this? We would love to do more. We would love to, I mean, um, while there's ideas rattling around and while the world is spewing up ideas, um, <laughs> there's no reason why we would... Not want to? Theor theoretically, beyond, and I'm not really trying to get, theoretically though, would you like to stay in the um, six episode block? Like if you, were to think, if you were to think about this, does this feel about right? I mean, I'm sure it's a huge undertaking, mm -hmm. but is that, in terms of the way of doing them, is that? It feels about right. It feels about right. If we were to do, if, if, I, if suddenly like an idea popped up for one that was like a two hour movie or something like that, I think we'd rethink how many we were doing or something like mm -hmm. that. I mean, mm -hmm. but... Um, I don't it, think we'd want to do any more. I think no. I would worry about the quality of the I'd worry about films. the quality and I'd worry about just... It, six seems mentally... Because there is a point, like, and there is always a point in the production where all six to some extent are live and you're having to think about you know is it either you're right I'm writing a script for one and there's, we're doing the dub and we're looking at the special effects there's always there's that seems to be the limit of the human mind as far as I can work out with six any more than <laughs> yeah. that be like yeah. yeah and you want to make sure all of them you know are as good as they can be so you yeah and I need a bit of time every year at the end of the year I do a sort of Roundup review of the year show for the BBC, and I need a bit, which is a comedy show, basically. So I need a bit of time to be able to despair about that. <laughs> Share the despair around. Yeah, Charlie Brooker, Annabelle Jones, uh, Black Mirror, um, season three is, as you know, on Netflix now, and and I might have to edit this out, but season four coming coming later this year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.